Welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast, brought to you by Barclays. Hello and welcome to you wherever you are in the world. We're now a third of the way through the season and London's finest lead the way. As long as you can keep winning, of course, that helps. Uh, the confidence level raises, that's why we make results. In this crazy league, once more, title contenders lost points. Fulham's Martin Yole becomes the third managerial casualty of the season. I'm someone who would have got 900 games on my belt as a manager and I know that three points can probably give you a total different view and a different world. And Hull create a bit of history at the KC Stadium. In the whole history of Hull City, we haven't been able to beat Liverpool, but I'm sure the supporters are all very pleased that we've done it now. So to put in a, a game like we did on Sunday, was uh, we were all delighted with it. We speak exclusively to Hull City defender Alex Bruce, son of manager Steve, after their historic win over Liverpool. Sunderland legend Michael Gray boards our Barclays bus and meets three generations of Mackhams. Plus, we hear from Samir Nasri, Brian Oviedo and pay tribute to the evergreen Barclays Premier League legend that is Ryan Giggs. Hello and welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast. I'm Jackie Oatley and joining me to look back on the weekend's action as well as preview a busy week of fixtures is the former Manchester City, Liverpool and Spurs striker, Paul Walsh. Hi, Paul. Hi, Jackie. So a very busy period of the season coming up with teams playing three games in a week. Just how difficult is that as a player, especially at the top level? It's very difficult if you have to play all three because the recovery, you know, have you got any knocks? But normally, you know, these days the clubs are carrying bigger squads um, to rotate the teams around and that's something that the manager is very mindful, just trying to balance his way through to put out enough quality to make sure you've got a good chance of winning winning the game you're in. Well, coming up, we'll be speaking to the chairman of the Cardiff City Supporters Trust about a welcome home to remember for one of their heroes. Well, let's start at the Cardiff City Stadium, where tabletoppers Arsenal maintained their four-point lead at the summit with an impressive 3-0 win against Cardiff. Were you surprised, Paul, at just how comfortable that victory was, bearing in mind Cardiff actually did OK? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think I was, just on the basis of what they'd achieved already at home to, to other teams. And But Arsenal were a different proposition. They're playing with a lot of confidence. I mean, Ozer was involved in everything. I mean, it was just you couldn't have made the story any better in terms of Aaron Ramsey. Could you go him back? You know, he nicked a couple of goals and was very respectful at the same time and the strange, strangest thing of the lot I say the strangest it was nice to see the fans almost giving him an ovation and yeah I mean he would have quietly loved it Aaron Ramsey and it would have been the perfect afternoon for him and it was a perfect afternoon for everyone at Arsenal I think So as we mentioned the man of the moment on Saturday was once again the Arsenal midfielder and former Bluebird Aaron Ramsey who despite scoring twice against his old club got a reception to remember from the Cardiff faithful It was a really nice feeling for me even though I didn't show that I was too happy with the goal and everybody else in, in the stadium uh, showed their appreciation for it. So, yeah, I was delighted with the reception and with the way they reacted to when I did score. It was a nice uh, feeling for me personally. You know, I'm in a great reception like it did today and, you know, and hopefully I give something back to them by the performance that I, I showed today. And this is where it all started for me and they helped me on that journey to become the player that I am today. So um, hopefully they, they realise that and I give them my respect as well by not celebrating uh, my goals. Well, that moment's been nominated for a Barclays Merit Award in the Spirit of the Game category. Now to discuss this superb hashtag YouAreFootball moment at the Cardiff City Stadium, I'm pleased to say we're joined on the phone now by the chairman of the Cardiff City Supporters Trust, Tim Harley. Hi, Tim. Hi, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Now, Ramsey there refused to celebrate his goals, which were applauded by sections of your home crowd. You were one of those, weren't you? What was the reaction like being there? 
Well, it was just fantastic to see Rambo back. If you remember, he started his career at Cardiff. We sold him for five million. Two great goals from him. And I think that it was very sporting. Everybody applauded it, you know, because he's a great player. And he did our, our little, we call it the Ayatollah. People who play and support Cardiff, we slap our heads with both hands. It goes back to the 1980s. We all chanted at him, Rambo, do the Ayatollah, and he did. So it's rather nice to have that banter rather than, you know, booing every time that an opposing player gets the ball. So fair play to him, and he richly deserves the award. He's still one of you, really, isn't he? <laughs> well, I'd like to think so. One day, maybe he'll come back to us like Craig Bellamy did. Yeah, exactly. And have you been surprised at just how good he's gone on to become since leaving the club? No, I think the potential was always there. What I think is great is that, you know, he did a slightly dodgy period at Arsenal. Let's, let's be, you know, frank about that. And he took a while to come back from injury. But I mean, when people say he's on fire, you can actually see his running off the ball, his skill, his audacity. I mean, there was one he tried to backflip it in. And, and you just think, look, he can actually do that. He's not showing off. He is that class of player. And it's great to see someone like that uh, actually doing it week in, week out now. Wenger said he wouldn't even sell him for £50 million. I wonder if he'd be tempted, though. I don't know, actually. I mean, Benga's lost a few very good players, hasn't he? And I think he needs to keep, you know, a real core to that team. And people who want to play for Arsenal as well, which is more important. How do you rate Arsenal as a whole based on that performance, bearing in mind that you've seen Manchester City and Manchester United there as well? From our point of view, we've beaten Man City at home. We drew with Man United. I thought Arsenal were head and shoulders above them in terms of performance, which I saw. Now, you know, teams go through dodgy patches. But I think that Arsenal team has pulled together. You look at the quality there, Giroud and Ozil and Ramsey. At last, it's coming together. I think we're right to tip them this early to be champions. Well, people have been praising Cardiff City as a whole this season. A lot of people tipping them to stay up and praising Malky Mackay as a manager. But actually, when you look at the league table, you're only one place and three points above the relegation zone. So how do you assess the situation? I'm happy with the performances. And we have just, just missed out. Arsenal dominated the first half on Saturday, but it was a more even event in the second half. I mean, we were unlucky against Spurs, I think, as well. We definitely should have done something with Villa. Yeah, we're one point off the drop, but we've got three games ahead of us, Stoke, Palace and West Brom. Now, this is where we should be picking up points. The icing on the cake is beating Man City and getting a draw with United. But, I mean, these are the games we really should be winning. We need to put a few wins together uh, and try to move up the table. But survival was the name of the game, and so far, so good. Well, this is coming up to a very busy period for fans of Barclays Premier League clubs. And you've got two away games now in the next four days. First of all, at Stoke on Wednesday and then Palace on Saturday. Are you making the trip to either of those or both? Yeah, I'll be up at Palace. I can't afford to go to Stoke tomorrow night, but Palace will be doing. It's always a very good trip. We, we get a great welcome there and it's a lovely ground as well. So, you know, if we can get hmm, six points from the next nine, I'd be very pleased. Let's hope it's seven. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so for your sake. Good luck to you, Tim. Thanks Thank for coming on. You. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. So a couple of difficult away games there for Cardiff City. But what about Arsenal, Paul? I mean, people are, are starting to wonder whether they really are genuine title contenders. They've started to play a couple of the big boys now. And I'm one of them. No one expected them to go as they have. But, you know, Giroud scoring goals, Ramsey emerging as he has. The addition of Ozu into the team with that little creative ability and class that he gives them has given that platform to go on and, and, and have a great season. So
so far. But there's still those sceptics there that think that maybe they're going to trip up, have a little dip at some stage, because you've now got Chelsea and you've got Man City coming up on the rails, putting them under a bit more pressure and getting a bit closer. Listen, I love it because it's making it very interesting. It'll be interesting if they do get a couple of injuries to key players such as Giroud, who they don't have a lot of cover for. Well, Arsenal's next two fixtures, Hull City at home on Wednesday, Everton at home on Sunday. How many points do you realistically think they'll get there? Well, Hull are a big surprise at the moment in terms of you know making it difficult for some of the top sides. I mean, what they did with Liverpool, I mean, they sat very deep on the edge of the D. Suarez couldn't even get into the game because there was no space for him to play in. He was so quiet. I haven't seen him that quiet in a long time. And that's a credit to the way that Hull played. And I'd expect them to do that at Arsenal and make it difficult and try and play on the break. But, you know, I'd have to fancy Arsenal. I fancy Liverpool, but I, I was wrong. But I'd have to fancy Arsenal in the game because they're playing so well and have got so much creative ability. I think Everton are in good form and Everton would think they can get something at the Emirates. I would expect Arsenal to be getting between the, the four and six points. I'm not sure whether it will be the six or the four, though. OK, we'll see in a few days' time. Well, Arsenal's London rivals Chelsea stayed in touch with the league leaders on Sunday, coming from behind to record an important 3-1 win over fellow high flyers Southampton. Oh, what a reaction from Jose Mourinho's men after going a goal down after just 13 seconds, although you could argue they had all the time in the world to come back. Well, they did. and Sometimes you see a goal like that go in for someone like Southampton and uh, it was a bit of a mistake, wasn't it, the back pass from Essien? And, uh, you know, you think, oh, that's happened a bit too early because that's going to get them right at it right away. But to be fair, Southampton, they, you know, they play well for large parts of the games and Mourinho had to make some changes. But eventually they got there as they do because they've got enough quality. They've got enough players with great determination. You know, John Terry gets in the header and you know slowly they ground away and had more than enough quality to beat Southampton Chelsea and Man City were my tips at the start of the season they're still my tips but by them faltering early doors it's made it very interesting well let's hear from Mourinho now the Chelsea manager who's pleased with how his team's progressing so I can establish targets I can say now I want to win the five consecutive matches now I want to be top of the league then no I want nothing I just want to work with them I just want to feed the young players I just want to feed the team, because it's a new team working with me for a few a few months. And by the time we are doing that, we are there. That's the important thing. If you are 10, 12 points behind, you are building, but you are not fighting for the title. If you are 3, 4, 5, you are building, but you are fighting for the title. And I think one of the things these boys, they have to learn is to cope with the responsibility of being there. Do you see them building for the title? Oh, definitely. I mean, like I said to you, they were one of my favourites. I mean, I think most people felt that, you know, Man City and Chelsea had the strongest teams. Who else could come out of the woodwork? We, we wasn't sure. Was it going to be Arsenal? Was it going to be Tottenham? Was it going to be Liverpool? You know, they've all flirted around. The Arsenal stayed there at the moment. Um, but in terms of the two biggest squads with strength in depth, with quality, are the two teams I'm mentioning. But yeah, certainly Chelsea, I expect them to be there. OK, well, four points behind Arsenal. Two away games to come in the next few days. Sunderland away, very long trip and Stoke away on Saturday. How do you see them faring? Well, once again, in those two games, I'd expect them to take all the points. I think if Chelsea have real aspirations of being title winners, they've got to go to them places and win. So that's exactly what I think they will do. For Southampton, though, their second defeat in a row drops them to seventh. Where do you see them sitting in the in the table come the end of the season? Because it was an incredible start from them, which not too many people saw coming. If they finish where they are at the moment, and I don't think they will, the top half finish would have been a great finish for Southampton. The problem is people get carried away very 
very quickly in football these days. And I live in Southampton, so I hear a lot of their fans speaking and all the rest of it. And it's great for them because they're really enjoying it and they're loving the buzz that the team's giving them. But a top half finish would be a good sort of season for Southampton for me. A real blow for them, though, is the goalkeeper, Arta Boric, out for around six weeks. Now, do they have quality enough replacements for him or do you think the manager will go fishing in January? Difficult to know. Only he knows what he's really after. I mean, Gazaniga was in the side. There was a period where there was three goalkeepers all vying for who was going to have the spot and no one really had it. And then suddenly Boric made it his. He had a bit of a howler last week and it's a shame that he's got injured because he was definitely in possession of the shirt. Now, if Gazaniga comes in and plays well, you know, he may be out of claim the shirt. Well, their next fixtures are Villa at home on Wednesday and Manchester City at home on Saturday. Well, coming up, we'll be speaking exclusively to Hull City defender Alex Bruce after their first ever victory over Liverpool. You're listening to the official Barclays Premier League podcast with Jackie Oakley. To the Etihad next, where two Sami Nasri strikes helped Manchester City see off a determined Swansea side 3-0 and continue their imperious home form. Alvaro Negredo with the other goal for City. That's now an incredible 29 goals at the Etihad this season. And that's more than any other Barclays Premier League side has managed, both home and away. That stat tells you quite a lot, Paul. Man City at home are frightening at the moment. I'll tell you what, the way that Nasri played, it's like they've just signed a new player. He's definitely got his mojo back. He's taking players on. He's turning. He's got a bit of zip in his game. Uh, it looks like he's enjoying it again. And when you've got someone like that making that difference for you in a team, along with the two finishes that he got, I think that uh, just can only mean great things for Manchester City because uh, he was poor last season. Well, let's hear from the informed Samir Nasri now, who knows the areas they need to address in order to push for the title this season. We have to improve our form away from home and we have two games this week to uh, to do it. Uh, I think uh, six points is not, is not a lot if... Uh, if we can mind the gap before we play them, uh, it will be uh, more interesting. Uh, Alex Ferguson was saying all the time, if after the Boxing Day you're still there, you're going to be there until the end of the season. So it's important to recover well because we have a lot of game uh, until the, the end of the month. So we have to be focused on improve our form away from home and uh, we'll see after that. So chance for them to put that away form right now. Two away games in a row this week. West Brom on Wednesday and Southampton at the weekend. Do you think they will prove people wrong? Yeah, I think they've got to. So if they're serious about the title, and I know they are, they will win, in my opinion, the way that, you know, I think they've just, they've got so much quality up the, up the top, you know, with Negredo and, and Aguero, it's just, it's almost unstoppable. But uh, I think they're going to win both of those games if you're asking me for a prediction, which is what you are asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're getting six points. <laughs> <laughs> I like a prediction. We don't like it when you sit on the fence. Oh, what about Swansea? Because they actually had more of the possession at City, but they couldn't convert that into goals. In particular, Jonathan de Guzman. Oh, yeah, because he'd done absolutely brilliant when he turned and knocked it through the legs and uh, once he got there you thought this would be a great goal and suddenly he just lifted it over the crossbar so that would be massively disappointing and I think it was 1-0 at that stage so that would have levelled it up possession is one of those stats that you know I don't always take too much notice of you know Swansea you know are going to pass the ball and keep it but it depends what areas you're keeping the ball in and how much threat you're carrying at the end of it and um, at times they just didn't carry enough of that so they're 13th in the table now Swansea and they'll see this as now two winnable home games against Newcastle and Hull this week and of course very long away trips for those two clubs which could possibly have a bearing do you think possibly but um listen they're long trips on yeah in terms of the mileage you know what you mean but um in terms
terms of the result, they're just coming to play two teams that are, will feel, feel exactly the other way around, that they're, this is a game that they can win. If they get two points out of that or four, I think they've done well. To the KC Stadium next, where on Sunday, Hull City continued their good home form with their first ever victory over Liverpool, an historic achievement for the club and for their manager, Steve Bruce. It's another three points, but what it does do, it, it gives the players a bit more belief I've always, in my experience, of bringing a team up. Some of them haven't played a lot. And what they need is results to give them that belief that they can't play at this level. Sometimes when you play against the big ones, there's no real motivation from me. They know they have to play well if, if they want to try and get a result. Well, that was Steve Bruce, and we can now speak to his son, who played a big part in that win over Liverpool, especially when you consider he had to mark Luis Suarez. Is the Hull City defender, Alex Bruce. Thanks for joining us, Alex. No problem. Now, first of all, congratulations on the win. Has it actually sunk in that you made history as the only Hull City team to ever beat Liverpool? Not really. Obviously, when you tell us that fact, it's uh, it's very pleasing to finally get one over on them. But to take one of the big teams on in the Premier League to get three points is always nice. And we'll be trying to do the same thing again on Wednesday night. Did you not realise that no Hull City team had ever beaten them previously? No, I didn't. I didn't realise that until about five minutes ago. So, obviously, it's an unbelievable start that in the whole history of Hull City, we haven't been able to beat Liverpool. But I'm sure the supporters are all very pleased that we've done it now. Yeah, I'm sure you're very proud of yourselves as well. And you had to come up against Luis Suarez, which I'm sure is very, very straightforward to do. What was he like to play against? a very, very good player. You've got to make sure your concentration levels are spot on when you get someone like that of his ability. Fortunately for myself, he had a little bit of an off day. But I'm not going to say too much about him because we played him again on the 1st of January. So I don't want to uh, try and wind him up any more than I might have already done because it'll probably come back to haunt me. (laughs) Now, we've got a question here from one of our listeners called Louis Smith, who's asked via Twitter, was that your best ever professional performance? Obviously, when we play against Liverpool, it was obviously magnified a bit more, especially being live on telly. But I don't think it was my best performance. I just think I, I did my job that I try and do every week, to be honest. Now, can you clear something up for us? Because Tom Huddleston has been waiting for a year to get his hair cut, but he said he wouldn't do until he scored a goal. Now, we all thought that he had actually scored a goal, but we think it's now an own goal. So does that mean he's just going to have to go on and on growing his hair until he well, finally I- scores? Yeah, I can confirm that he's not cutting his hair. No, he wants a better goal than that to cut it. He's put it down as an own goal. So it was the first thing I said to him when I got into the training ground yesterday. I said, so are we, are we getting it cut then? Or he's like, no, no, unfortunately, it's uh, it's staying. We're going to have to look at his uh, big locks for a little bit longer. Oh, we'll have to score a 25-yard screamer. He's perfectly capable of it. We've seen them before. Exactly, exactly. Wednesday night wouldn't be a bad place to do it. Exactly. Well, I mean, you lost your last two games against Crystal Palace, which was a bit of a surprise at home, and then Southampton. How important was it for you to get a win, even though it was against the mighty Liverpool? But everyone knows that we were very disappointed with the performances against Southampton and Crystal Palace. We knew going into the Liverpool game and, and now the Arsenal game, it would be vitally important to try and get some points, even though it would be very difficult. The raise up to the standards that we did on Sunday after that two disappointing results was very pleasing, probably more pleasing on the back of two dodgy performances that we just had. So to put in a, a game like we did on Sunday, was uh, we were all delighted with it. Yeah, and you're top off the table as we speak, which has probably surprised a few people. You've got five wins already, another five according to your dad, and you should secure your Barclays Premier League status for another season. Is that fair? Another five should do it? We always say 10 wins is enough, but how many times do we see it when you come to the end of the season that there's teams on 10 wins who need to get a couple more? So um, it's difficult to put a figure on it exactly, but that's the target we set ourselves, 10 wins with a few draws along the way. As you said, we're halfway there, but... 
we're not going to go in there thinking we just need five more wins. We're going to try and win every game as what we possibly can and finish as high up the league table as we can because as a professional, that's what you've got to do. So if we can pick up a few more wins like we have done in the past, then that'd be great. It is, Alex, a reasonably unusual situation to be playing for your dad in the Barclays Premier League. What's it like playing for him, particularly under the spotlight as you are now? There's obviously added pressures playing for your dad. You've got to make sure your performance levels are probably higher than anybody else because you know you're going to be criticised if they're not, especially with the magnitude of playing in the Premier League and it's going to get highlighted if I have a bad game probably more than anybody else. But I'd like to think I've got thick skin and, and I enjoy playing for my dad, to be honest. I'm fortunate enough to have a father who's a Premier League manager or a manager at any level for that matter. As a son, you would want to play for them if you were put in that situation. I'd probably work harder than anybody else because I want to do well for my dad and hopefully that'll uh, that'll continue. It must be nice playing for him because last time I spoke to you, you were there in the room with your dad at Ipswich when his Wigan side had just beaten you in the cup. And (laughs) it it really didn't matter that it was your dad you'd lost to. You were absolutely devastated at the time. That was clear. Exactly. exactly. When he he used to beat me in the past, it, uh, it didn't go down very well. Just changing tack slightly, Alex, you'll be aware that there's a new film being released to celebrate Manchester United's class of 92, the likes yeah. of Beckham, Scholes, Buck, Giggs and the Nevilles. Your dad, of course, played with most of those players and you'll know them, no doubt. Just how good were they, do you think, as a group of footballers, all to come through together? Well, I don't think it'll ever be done again. I think when you look at the standards that them individuals set, it's quite phenomenal, really. And for a football club to bring through such fantastic players, it's quite remarkable to think of what they achieved and what they went on to achieve. And I think all the plaudits and the films getting made about them now is exactly what they deserve because they were fantastic players, fantastic professionals, and one modern-day players look up to. Well, just finally, your next two matches are away to Arsenal and Swansea. Just how much do your away fans help to spur you on in this league? Very much so. I think any football team, the away fans are the diehard ones, especially when you've got to make the trip on a cold Wednesday night to Arsenal. I could think of worse places to go like, but and then you've got to go straight again with the long journey down to Swansea. I think you appreciate the miles that the supporters put in and it's important that you put in a good performance to merit the journey that they've made. You know, So if we can give them something to shout about on Wednesday and then again down at Swansea next Monday, that'll be, uh, that'll be very pleasing. Alex Bruce, thanks very much for joining us. No problem. So Paul holds next two fixtures, Arsenal away and Swansea away. What can you see them getting there? I was really impressed with them on the weekend and uh, you know, the way they set up, I thought Steve Bruce got his tactics absolutely spot on. You know, He really crowded out just in front of the D. There was no space for the intricate players, the clever players to get on the ball. Now, if they can replicate that performance against Arsenal, they may have a chance. I'm just not sure they can do that. So no point at Arsenal. Um, Swansea, I think they might nick a draw. So it was a damaging defeat for Liverpool and for their manager, Brandon. And Rogers, who wasn't helped by the news just before kickoff, that striker Daniel Sturridge will be out for six to eight weeks with an ankle injury. There's no doubt when you don't have a player of that quality, then it affects your your team. And, and we don't have a big enough squad to cope with a few players missing, and that's what, that will always be the case. You know, we've got two or three of our players that are regulars in the team missing, then we're a different team. We just will reflect on it as a really disappointing result, but we can't dwell on it too much. We need to make two good results to put this right. They've got a couple of home matches now off the back of that against Norwich on Wednesday and then West Ham on Saturday. Are you going to give us a definitive prediction again? I would say they'll get six points from this. I think they will bounce back. It is a blow not having Sturridge because, you know, them two were playing well together. But yeah, if Liverpool play to their potential, I can see them coming out of that with six points. Well, they're contrasting fortunes for Liverpool's neighbours Everton on Saturday with the Toffees running out convincing 4-0 winners over Stoke to move level on points with their Merseyside 
side rivals, while the win was masterminded by 19-year-old Spanish ringer Gerard Deulofeu on loan from Barcelona. He was making his first league start for the club. Now, I saw him earlier on in the season, Paul, at Fulham in the Cup, and he absolutely ran the show first half, but was nowhere to be seen second half. What do you make of him? Very talented footballer in a team where you want a good defensive attacking mix. He'll have to maybe do the defensive side a bit better if he wants to play in a top team, but he's undoubtedly got great ability. We've started to see that now. We've seen it in patches, and now he's started to really sort of believe in himself at this level, and also getting up to pace with the Barclays Premier League. Well, another of Everton's star performers on Saturday was Costa Rican fullback Brian Oviedo, who deputised for the injured Leighton Baines in some style, notching a clean sheet and a goal and an assist. When I come here, I, I was focused for turning well because I know Leighton Baines is a very, very, very good player and also a very good guy. I spoke with him all the time and when he played, I tried to look him because it's good for me to have a player like, like him in the in the team. And now he's coming my, my chance for play games. Of course, uh, I tried to do the, the better for me because it's important for me to play well these games. It can't be a great life being the understudy to Leighton Baines because you're not often going to get there on form, are you? No, that's right. I mean, you know, but uh, the injury to Baines is an opportunity for Oviedo and, and all you can do is when you go in the side is, is play well and he certainly did that. He enjoyed himself and uh, it's a chance for him to get some games under his belt. And they've got some very difficult away fixtures this week at Manchester United on Wednesday, then Arsenal away on Sunday. They don't come too much more difficult than that. Well, they don't on that basis. I, I don't think they're going to pick up a lot. I think if they get one point, Point, and I'm not sure where they'll get that one point, they'll, they'll do well. I would have to say that I fancy them to come away with nothing. That's nice and positive for them. <laughs> Sorry, Everton fans, that was Paul Walsh who's bringing yeah, you I, that I, I that can't forecast. wait to get my hamper, Christmas hamper off them when it comes. <laughs> Although you can't say everyone's going to win, can you? <laughs> <laughs> As for Stoke, it was their fifth away defeat of the season. It leaves them in 16th place, just three points above the drop zone. Do you see them as genuine relegation candidates this year? Well, I mean, it's, it, I think as I said earlier, you know, if a team goes into a, a spiral at the wrong time, that can happen and I think there's several teams that if fixtures and results go against them could easily plummet into the bottom three at the moment Stoker there it's always a nightmare when you've just had a 4-0 drubbing I certainly don't think they're in the bottom three teams but you know that doesn't always happen just that way and they have two big home matches coming next Cardiff on Wednesday then Chelsea on Saturday well halftime tweets coming up shortly but first we wanted to honour a player synonymous with the Barclays Premier League a man who's played all 22 campaigns so far and seems to be still going strong it is, of course, Manchester United's Ryan Giggs, who turned 40 at the weekend. And here are just a few of the tributes paid to him by his fellow professionals. He's in the top of the players uh, historically. First of all, uh, for the quality of his performances. And secondly, for the consistency of his performances. What you respect as a manager is not only the talent of the players, but the love and the passion for the game. And to be still in there, that shows an exceptional passion for the game and you respect that a lot. usually find when you're a senior player, you take note of players that might take your place. So there was a lot of interest in what was happening with Ryan, obviously. And we knew there was an exceptional group coming through, but Ryan was the shining light very early on in that group. And credit to him, I mean, the success he's, he's had won't, won't be replicated by anybody else, in my view. We used to say when he ran around when he was younger, he was effortless. And even now, he never seems to be exerted by it. He's blessed with this natural ability to be able to move and run, and he was a, a wonderful athlete. Every season, you could look through and look at Ryan Giggs' moments, and I just think for to be playing so well at his age is terrific. And a great example to young players how you should dedicate yourself throughout your career. And I think also to players who get into their early, mid-30s who think, you know, maybe it's coming to the end. Well, you know, if you really look after yourself and train well, you know, it can maybe go on a lot longer for you. 
So we heard there from Arsene Wenger, Mark Hughes, Steve Bruce and David Moyes. Well, Paul, can you see anybody in the current crop of players playing for around 22 years at the top level? No. Nope. <laughs> that was a nice quick answer. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, plenty more to come on the show, including an away day to remember for some Sunderland fans and news on the third managerial departure of the season. But now it's time for our halftime tweets. We start with bad news for Liverpool. Striker Daniel Sturridge out for up to eight weeks through injury. He says, I'm gutted right now, man. Keeping it real. To all my fans, thanks for the support. Means a lot to me. There was also a bump back down to earth for Pochettino Southampton after their defeat at Chelsea. This is a learning process, tweeted the Argentine coach. We're the youngest team in the league. We have to keep on learning. Someone who seems to have learned a great deal this season is Aaron Ramsey. As we've heard, his brace at Cardiff was applauded by his old fans, something acknowledged by many, including the Norwich winger Elliot Bennett. Different class from the Cardiff fans with Ramsey, you don't see that too often. Bennett's teammate Nathan Redmond was tweeting about matters much closer to home after the Canaries' 1-0 victory over Crystal Palace. Buzzing for the win, thanks for all the support from the fans. Old saying of the 12th man. And finally, with plenty of love for his team, Sunderland fan Shane Bayliss simply tweeted this after a goalless draw at Villa Park. Happy with the points? Away the lads. Some people very easily pleased. Well, remember, you can keep up to date with everything that's going on in the Barclays Premier League by following at Barclays Footy with a Y on Twitter. Hashtag YouArFootball. I'm here with Paul Walsh as we continue our look back at the weekend's action and look ahead to this busy week's set of fixtures. We're now going to take a look at our next match through the eyes of the supporters. The new Barclays Buses Initiative provided free transport to a group of Sunderland supporters, making the 400-mile round trip to Villa Park last weekend. And Barclays football reporter Nick Moore travelled with the fans to share their experience. And like many away day visits, Nick's journey began rather early. It's 7am on a distinctly fresh Sunderland morning at the Stadium of Light and we're about to join a group of Sunderland fans on the Barclays bus to Birmingham for their game with Aston Villa. The fans are extremely chuffed that Barclays have laid on free travel and bacon butties for them this morning. But what they don't know is that former Sunderland player Michael Gray will also be joining them on the road. So let's go and see what they think. We're here on the Barclays bus and we've got three generations of fans. So we've got Liam Gibson. How old are you, Liam? And we've got Andy Carr, Liam's stepdad. From Roker, 29 years old. And we've got Liam's granddad, Peter Gibson. Peter Gibson. Yeah. You're 65, is that right? No, I'm 60, excuse me. Oh, and I've got my teeth <laughs> in the game. <laughs> so between the three of you, we've got almost 100 years of support here. Yeah, I've been yeah. supporting Sunderland for over 50 years now, yeah. I imagine it's changed a lot for what young Liam's seeing now at the oh, Stadium of Light. We can sit in comfort and, uh, and watch the game, you know, so yeah, he's yeah. quite knowledgeable for a 10-year-old, you know. What do you enjoy most about going to the match? The atmosphere. It's pretty loud, isn't it? Yeah. What do you think it is about Sunderland fans that, you know, it's a particularly passionate club, isn't it, and a, and a noisy club, but why is that? I think it's mainly because, uh, you know, it's a one-town club. There's a great deal around here and that, you know, we're very proud of, you know, who we are and what we are and uh, we're sort of sure that through the football team it's like our representation of our city, you know. Away fans are particularly special as well. I mean, what, what makes you go to away games? Yeah, with the passionate supporters, people that are travelling hundreds of miles every other week, you know, they've got to be passionate and we notice a difference when we go to the weird games, we're in a monster, you know, yeah. and it really is, uh, it gets you really high, you know, being with these uh, passionate supporters. Liam, how do you think Sunderland are going to do today? I think we're going to win 1-0 because I've got my lucky top on. Who's going to score the goal? Fletcher. OK, folks, it gives me great pleasure to welcome a man who's had an 18-year football career. He spent 12 years with his hometown club, Sunderland FC. That's you guys. 
can we give a round of applause for Michael Gray? Thank you. What did you think of the uh, Di Canio sacking and was it the right decision? Yeah, it was the right decision because um, I spoke to a few of the players the week after he got the sack and some of the goings on at the training ground and, and on match days, not letting the players allow them to speak to any of the staff and, and vice versa, the staff not allowed to speak to the players and all this ketchup stuff which I thought was a bit of a myth was true. But, you know, he got everybody on board last season. When he, when he kept us in the Premier League and obviously going to Newcastle I mean it was a fantastic performance and that 3-0 result that we got there that day I was actually there working it was just incredible and the right man for the job now Gus Poyer? yeah most definitely I, I worked with Gus when I was at Leeds he was my coach there for a, a period of time and really really nice man very astute on the training ground works ever so hard and I think you can see that the way that they're playing now the lads and what he's bringing to the training ground he's, he's got the camaraderie back and I hope and I keep your fingers crossed that he keeps us in the Premier League this season. And if he does that, then I think you'll see the best of Gus Poyer and the, and the Sunderland players next season. Talking of atmosphere, what kind of atmosphere do the away fans bring? And is it, is it noticeable at the, at the clubs when you play away? Yeah, it is. And obviously, especially at Sunderland. I mean, me being a Sunderland boy and a Sunderland fan before, before obviously donning the red and white shirt anyway. You know, if that doesn't spur you on when you're playing away from home, then nothing will. It was just absolutely incredible. And that was something that we enjoyed and it, it, it never went amiss you know it was something that the players spoke about as well at the games in the dressing room because we knew we had that following we knew we had that 12th man and I'm just saying to a few of the fans there just before you know because they're so passionate in the stands you know it doesn't have to spur you on and when you put that shirt on and you cross that white line everybody off the bus please here we are Villa Park come on go get it boys well then, ladies and gentlemen it is time for kickoff. it's time for you So it's ended 0-0 at Villa Park. Sunderland perhaps unlucky not to get a winner. Let's go back to the bus and see what our fans think of it. Well, I thought uh, we were a better team by far. Stronger team in the first half and uh, disappointing that we couldn't get a single goal, you know, to win the winner. But coming away with nils each is still a good result away from home. Right, you know. Encouraging signs for uh -huh. Sunderland this season. Oh, definitely. I think yeah. we just need to be a bit more clinical in front of goal. We had a really good chance that just went over the bar and really it was an absolute sitter. But if that had gone in, it would have been a different story. Are you going to tell your mates at school that you were on the bus with Michael Gray? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I thought it was great. Doing something different. Being really comfortable on the coach coming down. You know, it's a nice day out with your family, you know. Barclays away, bus! So there we go. Sunderland fans absolutely delighted despite a 0-0 draw. They've had a great day on the bus. They've loved meeting Michael Gray and they've enjoyed their, their trip. It's been fantastic. And uh, it's time to get the bus home. Away we go. That was Nick Moore reporting from the new Barclays Buses initiative. Well, support from those fans is fantastic, bearing in mind the mileage they have to do every week. And you always get the hardcore yep. in the away grounds, don't you? I mean, how much did you notice them as a player, away fans? Well, I think you do. I mean, it's nothing better than when you run out in an away match and you see you've got you know, a great number of people that have made the effort to come and see you play, you know. And, you know, without those fans, you know, it, football would be a real struggle. They are the proper fans for me. Those fans who really sort of get on the buses, long journeys, don't do it in any real style, turn up, see 
their team and they're even pleased with a nil-nil away point, that's something. So, uh, you know, fair play to them. I think they deserve to be applauded. Although Sunderland fans have a couple of tough home games now this week, Chelsea on Wednesday and Spurs on Saturday, two of Gus Poyet's old clubs, of course. Yeah, um, all the best, I think, is what I'll be saying to that. I think they're going to struggle taking anything from that. If they get a point out of that, they've done well. And for Villa, Southampton away on Wednesday, Fulham away on Sunday. Southampton away, I think, might be a struggle. Fulham away, I think that's somewhere they really be sort of licking their lips thinking they can go and really twist a knife. To Upton Park next in a crucial bottom of the table London derby between West Ham and Fulham. The Hammers ran out comfortable 3-0 winners to record their first win in six matches and ultimately bring an end to the reign of Fulham boss Martin Yoll. Well this is what a resigned Yoll had to say after the match on Saturday before his dismissal 24 hours later. We lack a bit of mental and physical toughness. Over the last couple of months I think sometimes we are not strong enough. I'm someone who would, uh, I've got uh, maybe seven, eight, nine hundred games under my belt as a manager. And I know that uh, three points can, can probably give you a total different view and a different, different world. Well, that did sound like a man who just lost five league matches in a row and was in the relegation zone. Did it sound like a man, though, who was up for the fight? I don't think he could change the way that they play. I mean, some teams now are playing a high-pressing game, but you need high-energy players to do that. And um, I'm afraid with the likes of Berbatov in your team and Brian Ruiz, you know, you just can't play that way. But yeah, and I don't think he just had the players where he could change the style. And that was the biggest problem. And, and I've seen his body language on the bench the last few weeks, and it's just, you know, he's been haunched down, you know, elbows on knees almost disinterested, like he's been expecting the sack to come. Well, René Moulinstein, his uh, assistant coach, takes over now as head coach. And he starts with two home fixtures, Spurs on Wednesday, then Villa on Sunday. How do you assess the start you'd expect him to make? Yeah, sometimes when you get a new manager, he can have an immediate effect. But like I said, I don't think they've got the players to make themselves difficult to beat or defend from the front or play a different game. But maybe coming up to the window, he can start sorting out some players that might be able to help him change that way. Spurs, I wouldn't fancy them to get anything. Villa might have an outside chance. Or at least they won't have the fans singing "Y'all out this time, will they? That's one thing. Maybe the supporters' mindset will have changed slightly. As for West Ham, it was a crucial win which moved them three points clear of the relegation zone. And let's hear from the scorer of their second goal, Colton Cole. Remember him? He believes they've got more than enough ability to survive. We've got great talent. Look, Ravel Morrison, Joe Cole, come on. Um, We've got loads of talent in the team. I've been down there before with West Ham. It's not a good place to be. And uh, I just don't want the repeat of what happened last time in that that position. So um, that's that's a massive win for us. It was in the same sort of position for us and Fulham. And uh, that win would have um, given them a boost if they beat us. And uh, luckily enough, it's us that won. Well, that's Colton Cole, Chelsea fan, by the way, beating Fulham there. And he scored seven Barclays Premier League goals in his last six appearances against Fulham. West Ham's next two fixtures, Paul, Palace away on Tuesday, Liverpool away on Saturday. Well, I mean, certainly they'd look at the, the Palace game and feel that that's somewhere, you know, somewhere they've got to go and try and get a result. They know that the Liverpool away game is going to be a much harder uh, proposition. Three points Sam would be targeting, I think, uh, in, in the away game at Palace. And if they got anything out of the Liverpool game, that would be a great return out of the two. Well, from one bottom of the table to another now as Norwich edged out Crystal Palace 1-0 at Carrow Road on Saturday thanks to a crucial first half Gary Hooper strike. We needed to win and I uh, thought the first half we played really well against an uh, organised team and uh, two big uh, big strikers and um, I thought we won the second ball well and uh, we won uh, got a clean sheet. It's a massive result, uh, massive three points and we can keep going now. 
Well, you could just hear the relief, couldn't you? Everybody there so relieved because now they're four points off the relegation zone, but they're up to Liverpool on Wednesday night and then away to West Brom on Saturday. So those three points in the bank could be massive. Well, yeah, of course they are. And, uh, you know, it was a big game for them. It was a home game against a team that they're expected to be and they just got over the line. Everyone's pleased. And it is, you almost do. When you, I've played in a couple of relegation battles. I know what it's like. And when you're down there, you live from week to week with your expectations. You don't get carried away. You live game by game. And so they'll go off. You actually go home that night and you think you actually enjoy yourself for one night. And it, that's what it's like, life at the bottom. Well, as for Palace and their new manager, Tony Pulis, he, he looked absolutely tortured in his first match in charge of the club. It's very disappointing to come and play as we did today and compete as we did today and not get anything out of the game. But that happens. You know, you have to take your chances and you have to take your opportunities. We have to pick points up before the window opens. And then if we can do that and, and we're close enough around, then, you know, fingers crossed we can wheel and deal and do what uh, I've always had to do in lots of respects and try and get one or two people in who will, who will give us that little bit of a lift and a little, most probably that little bit more quality that clubs at the bottom of the table need. Yes, they hold a lot of quantity in the summer, possibly not enough quality. Will they change that in January? Well, their next fixtures are at home. Big matches at Selhurst Park where there's a wonderful atmosphere. West Ham, something of a local derby there on Tuesday night. And then Cardiff on Saturday. Must win for at least one or both? What can he change massively? He, he can't change the personnel because he can't do that at the moment. He's only got what he's got. West Ham off the back of their good result is going to be tough. But it's a game that they can win. I, I think they could win both games. Well, they're seven points from safety as things stand and not a great goal difference. Well, to one of your old clubs now, Tottenham. And at White Hart Lane on Sunday, Manchester United twice came from behind to earn a hard-fought 2-2 draw with Spurs. And a lot of the talk, Paul, going into that game surrounded the increasing pressure on the Spurs boss, Andre Villas-Boas. Can you understand all that? People like Alan Sugar jumping in and making his life difficult doesn't help his situation, you know. And, and, and I, I don't want to add to that, but I've never quite warmed to the guy either. And that's based not on anything, because I don't know him, based on, you know, the, the, the way that he's spent his money and the way that he's put his team together. It's not what Tottenham fans are used to in terms of uh, some of the flair. And he's spent a, an awful lot of money. So he would argue that his net spend isn't very big because of the Gareth Bale money. But uh, they've had to build a new team. I just don't think he's quite got the balance right in that team yet in terms of defence an attack. Um, Soldado, he needs to get him ammunition because now he looks like he's losing his confidence in open play in front of goal and that's going to become a problem for them. But as, having said that, I thought they played well against Manchester United, had a lot of the ball, created some good chances and when you get a fantastic strike like Sandro's to give you a chance to win the game, I mean that was fantastic but uh, Manchester United kept going, uh, the penalty was a definite penalty so there's no arguments now and probably a fair result. And he said it was a very, very unfair penalty yeah, didn't well. he afterwards? Well, <laughs> at least it was a much improved performance from that defeat at City where they lost 6-0 and could have been even better had Soldado as you mentioned not uh, been misfiring again and AVB though keeping faith with his £26 million signing Works very hard for the team works his socks off obviously for a striker they leave off goals it is important for Soldado to find the back of the net that's why we've been very very patient with him and we will continue to do just that you know he doesn't need to um, show his, uh, his qualities we need to be patient with him his CV speaks for itself Well next up for AVB are trips to Fulham on Wednesday and a longer trip to Sunderland on Saturday. What do you make of those two? No, certainly two games they can win. Yeah, I would expect Tottenham, uh, and it's a great chance for Villas-Boas to, to shut everybody up, come out of it with six points, and I think that's what he might do. As for United, their saviour was once again the informed Wayne Rooney, who scored another two goals to add to his tally this season. We have to just keep going, keep working, and we've actually played OK the last few weeks, and just um, a couple of them draws, if we can turn them into, into victories, then we'd be in a... 
obviously be a lot closer, but you know, we're doing the right things. I think we're gradually getting better and hopefully that'll continue for us. We have to just keep working, um, keep plugging away and keep trying to get them three points. Well, he is always plugging away, isn't he, Wayne Rooney? Eight Barclays Premier League goals for him so far this season. But as he mentioned there, four draws already so far. Last season, United only drew five in total. Could it cost them? Yeah, it's already costing them. And uh, I think he alluded to that. They need to turn them draws into victories. And that, that means you're much higher up the table. And uh, when you're playing for a club like Manchester United, certain games you're expected to win. They haven't killed teams off when they've been in positions and haven't won certain games, which they probably felt they should have done. And, and that's why they're in a the position that they're in in the table. Well, they have two big home matches now this week against Everton, David Moyes' old club, of course, on Wednesday, and then Newcastle on Saturday. Two big games, Everton. They, they normally do quite well against Everton from my memory, so. I think they'll win the home game against Newcastle, but uh, the Everton game, I think, could be a bit tougher and that may just be a point. Rounding off this week's fixtures, we go to St James's Park where Newcastle made it four wins on the spin with a 2-1 victory over West Brom. There was Gouffron and a Sissoko screamer making it more French players to have scored for Newcastle this season with 18 goals in the Barclays Premier League than Marseille, who are fourth in Ligue 1. Extraordinary. Well, manager Alan Pardew thinks there's even more to come from his mostly French team. I do feel that there's still some players to really make an impact that are not playing at the minute. We've got Pappas on the sideline and Hatam and they're all itching to play and Anita. So we're in good shape. I think it'd be nice if we could get something at Swansea, draw or a win, just to take that momentum to United because they're a bit of form as well. We've played a lot of teams in form and we've managed to turn them over, but that will be our biggest scout if we can do that. Was that a realistic points target from the trips to Swansea and Old Trafford there? Possibly. He's got to keep positive. He's got to believe. He's got to make his players believe. Um, you know, I think that going away to Swansea is always tricky. They're, they're decent at home, Swansea. Um, so that'd be a place in the form that they're in that they would feel they can go and get something. I'm only going to give them a point out of these two games. You know, I think they'll get maybe one away to Swansea. And I don't fancy them to get anything at Old Trafford. Well, they're sixth at the moment in the Barclays Premier League. Just a point behind Everton and one above Southampton and Manchester United. As for West Brom, who are 12th at the moment, two home matches coming up, though, this week. First of all, they have free-scoring Manchester City on Wednesday. Then they're at home to Norwich. What do you think Steve Clark will be wanting in particular out of those two games? Well, I mean, he's going to look at the Man City game and whether or not he can modify the way they play. Uh, or do you want to modify the way you play? I mean, when, they, when he's played against the bigger teams, he's gone at them and tried to surprise them. He may go that way. I would like to think that Manchester City, because we've mentioned their away form, that they've got to go away. This is a must away win for them so I don't fancy West Brom to, to actually get anything from that game um, the home game against Norwich that's one that certainly Steve Clark will be targeting for his three points out of those two yeah and a word on young Saido Barahino very promising England under 21 player finally signing his new three and a half year deal yeah well he's had a, a you know good good start to the season a little bit in and out at the moment they've nailed him down and that settles him down because now he knows where his future is more than likely going to be for the next few years and he can concentrate on getting back in the West Brom side so it's a very busy period for all 20 clubs with a full set of midweek and weekend matches. We've already discussed the midweek ones. Here are the weekend fixtures. On Saturday, the early kickoff is Manchester United versus Newcastle. Southampton versus Manchester City is up next with Stoke versus Chelsea. Crystal Palace versus Cardiff. Liverpool at home to West Ham. West Brom play Norwich. And the late game is Sunderland versus Tottenham. On Sunday, the first game is Fulham versus Aston Villa, followed by the leaders Arsenal against Everton. And the Monday night match is Swansea City versus Hull City. Now on to our yes-no weekend predictions with Paul Walsh. Paul, will Arsenal have increased their lead at the top of the table by more than four points after their two home games against Hull and Everton? 
No. Can Manchester United get their title quest back on track with back-to-back wins against Everton and Newcastle? Yes. Will Manchester City exercise their away day curse by winning at West Brom and Southampton? Yes. Can new Fulham boss Rene Moulinstein stop Fulham's run of five consecutive league defeats at home to Spurs on Wednesday evening? No. And will Crystal Palace have lifted themselves off the bottom of the table after back-to-back home matches against West Ham and Cardiff? No. You're good at this. That was quick. No, I'm not sure it's in there. Well, why don't you tweet us your weekend predictions to at Barclays Footy with a Y. See if you agree with Paul. Thanks very much for your company, Paul. And before we go, why not have a try at this week's trivia teaser? On Sunday against Southampton, Chelsea defender John Terry scored his 34th league goal for the club to become the second highest scoring defender in Barclays Premier League history. Can you name the one defender who scored more? If you think you know the answer, tweet it to at Barclays Footy with a Y or post it to the the Barclays Football Facebook page and we'll reveal the answer on the site later on in the week. And we'll be back next week to discuss all the weekend's action, including a tough trip for free-scoring Manchester City to Southampton, a crucial bottom-of-the-table clash between Crystal Palace and Cardiff and a tough test for the league leaders Arsenal at home to Everton. But until then, from Paul Walsh and from me, Jackie Oatley, goodbye. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Barclays Premier League, brought to you by Barclays. Barclays.